We are back in Galatians tonight, picking up in chapter 2, right where we left off last week. Starting with verse 11. Give everybody a chance to find it. Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 21. Make sure I put the right ones up there. We're continuing on in our Freedom Called series. This is a relatively short book, so we're going to finish it up pretty quickly, but just taking it a few verses at a time. And last week, uh, what we had talked about, uh, which was one of the problems that the people in Galatia were facing, and as we had talked before, uh, there were some who were trying to teach them falsely, and that is that they were teaching something opposite from what Jesus taught. Now, they were either taking something away from the good news uh, that Jesus Christ uh, preached, or they were either adding something to it. But in either case, whatever they were preaching and whatever they were teaching was not required by Christ. And so uh, what these false teachers were doing is they were placing a burden on the people of Galatia, and it appears as though that these uh, people of Galatia were uh, giving in to some of these things, that they were uh, maybe forgetting or just being led astray from what uh, Jesus actually taught, and they were beginning to give in to some of these false teachings. And that's what we saw last week. And one of those teachings that was talked about is circumcision. Uh, that was part of the law that God gave to the people of Israel. And it was a physical uh, symbol that they were God's chosen people, that that was his covenant with them. Uh, but Jesus came and he abolished the need for that, that we were saved uh, by grace uh, through faith in Jesus Christ and not of the law, but through uh, what Jesus did. But there were some who were still trying to teach that that was necessary for the, the Gentiles. That was all of the people who weren't Israel. And that was a burden that was not required. That was something that was not necessary for them to become a Christian, a follower of Christ. And that's what we saw in the text last week. And what they agreed upon, Peter and Paul, is they agreed that uh, uh, Paul was going to go to the Gentiles and Peter was going to uh, go and preach to the Jews. It's not that one was more important than the other, as we talked about, but that... Uh, for whatever reason, God had called them and put those in those directions because they were different groups and they had to be taught and reached in different ways. And so that is what we see take place in verse 11 tonight. So we're going to pray and then we are going to jump into the text. God, I come to you tonight and I pray that you would help me to, be, uh, to speak um, accurately what your word says, dear Lord, that I would speak truth. It would be easy for us to understand tonight and that we would uh, have some application that we can use this script, uh, scripture in our life, dear Lord, that the Holy Spirit would uh, convict us and lead us to, to know how to apply our, your word to our life so that we can know uh, some changes maybe that need to be made, God. So I pray that we would learn from your text, that you would hide me behind the cross, and that you would be glorified in this place tonight. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. But when Cephas, that is uh, Peter... You know the name for him is Cephas. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. All right? So now what we're fixing to see is we're fixing to see that Peter was doing something that was, that was not what Scripture commanded. Peter was being a hypocrite, as we're going to see in the next few verses. And it said that uh, Paul said he opposed him to his face because he stood Condemned. Now, maybe Peter was uh, condemned in himself. I don't know that this was saying that, that Paul himself was condemning Peter, but 
it is probably the case that Peter knew what he was doing was wrong and he was condemned because he was sinning. He was not doing what he was supposed to be doing. And so Paul was calling him out on this. And not only was he calling him out on it, but he was calling him out on it in public. Now, I don't know that this is a proof text to say, well, if somebody's doing wrong, we always need to call them out in public. I don't know that we see a lot of instances where that's the case. Now, there may be times as Christians that it may be necessary to call someone out in public for their sinfulness, but in general, I would say that's probably not a good thing to do unless you feel the Holy Spirit leading you to do so. But that's not to say that if we see a Christian living wrong that we aren't to go and say, look, I see some things in your life that shouldn't be there, and I just want to make sure that... uh, that you see those things and you're aware of those things because sometimes people can see stuff in our life and sin in our life that we don't notice in ourselves. It's easy for us to see sin in other people's life, but it's sometimes hard for us to see it in our own life. And so maybe Peter didn't recognize what he was doing here, but Peter was a pretty sharp guy. He was with Jesus. He knew the text. He knew what was right and what was wrong. And so it is apparent that Peter probably knew exactly what he was doing here, and Paul was calling him out on it. In verse 12, For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. All right. So what we know in Scripture is that is that is that everything is is equal. God doesn't pick favorites, so to speak. Everything is good. God loves everybody. When Jesus died, He died for the Jew. He died for the Gentile. He died for everybody, so that they could all accept the good news. And so the good news had gone out. It was beginning to go out to all these different people, whether Jew or whether Gentile. And Peter, being a follower of Jesus Christ, he was associating with all people. He wasn't discriminating against anybody. There were times that he was with the Jews. There were times that he was with the Gentiles. And here we see that he was associating with the Gentiles. He was eating with them, right? They were his friends. They were people that were all working together. They probably all loved the Lord. These were probably other Christian Gentiles that uh, Peter was with. And so everything was going good until... It says a group came with James, and then it says that Peter feared the circumcision party. Let's read a little further. Then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy so that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. So what was going on here is that, is that Peter knew that it was not wrong to eat certain things. He knew that circumcision wasn't necessary. He knew that the Gentiles weren't a lesser people. And uh, Peter was associating with these people. And then all of a sudden his Jewish friends, those who held to you can't eat certain things, you have to, uh, they had to have circumcision to be accepted. And when they came around, he kind of separated himself, the Scripture says, from those Gentile people. You ever noticed anybody that do do that before? Maybe they're real friendly to you and they know you and then you see them with a certain group of people and you talk to them and they don't even acknowledge you. You kind of speak, hey, how you doing? And they're kind of like, because they don't want those other group of people to know that you're associating with them. Now, we've probably all have experienced that. And honestly, we probably all have been on on the side of doing that to somebody else. We befriend somebody else, but oh, we don't want nobody else to see us with that person. And that's a good lesson for us to learn. We shouldn't be ashamed of the people that we hang out with. We shouldn't have to act one way with one group and another way with another group. And if we are in our life acting one way with one group and one way with another group, then we need to stop and take a look at ourselves because we're being a hypocrite. And so we don't want to be guilty of that. 
If I stand up here, let's just take a let's just take a a, a, a made up example. Let's say I said, you know what? Nobody in here should eat bologna sandwiches. Under no circumstances should you eat bologna sandwiches. And then all of a sudden, you go back there in the kitchen and you see me, and what am I doing? Lo and behold, I'm eating a bologna sandwich. Now, next time I try to tell you something or lead you to do something, are you going to listen to what I have to say? Probably not. Maybe some of you will. But that's going to hurt my ability to lead you guys because I have told you one thing, but I'm doing another thing. And y'all all sitting out here starving, and I'm scarfing down a bologna sandwich. Now, what was happening in the scripture here was much more intent, but that's kind of the point of what was taking place, is that Paul, uh, Peter was, was friends with the Gentiles. They were good. They were all getting along good, eating together, uh, hanging out with each other. And then all of a sudden, when the Jews come, Peter, oh, I don't have anything to do with that group. And so Paul saw that. And Paul called him out. You can imagine, maybe you've seen it on the TV show. Maybe you've seen it in real life. You, you talk to somebody and they don't acknowledge you and you kind of holler at them and say, Hey, what's up, man? Are you ignore me? I thought we were friends. Maybe you've been part of something like that. And that's pretty much what Paul was doing here. Paul was saying, Hey, what's up, man? What are you doing? Why are you all of a sudden acting like you don't want to have anything to do with these Gentiles? Let's read a little further. Uh, then the rest of the Jews joined his hypocrisy. So the Jews saw what Peter was doing as somebody who obviously had walked with Jesus and he was a, a leader in the early church. Well, the Jews saw, he, saw what he was doing and so they probably thought, well, if Peter's doing it, this must be what we're supposed to do. And it led some other Jews astray and it also led Barnabas to join in that hypocrisy that Peter was committing. Verse 14. But then I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel. So they were not doing what Jesus commanded them to do. Jesus never said, hey, look, let's belittle this other group and let's treat them like lower class citizens. That's not what Jesus ever taught to do. And so they were deviating from the truth of the gospel. That is, Jesus died for all so that they could be saved. I told Cephas, that is Peter, in front of everyone, if you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew... How can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? So here Paul's calling him out. You can't have it both ways. You can't like live like a Gentile and, and then go back and live like a Jew and say you need to live like us or, or vice versa. You can't have it both ways because then you're going to have two groups and neither one of them is going to want to listen to what you have to say. Paul, Paul is saying, look, do what you're going to do, but don't be a hypocrite about it. If you're going to be for the Jews and follow that, then you need to be for the Jews and follow that. If you're going to be with the Gentiles, then you don't need to deny either group. You need to love both of them equally. You don't need to be hypocritical in what you're doing. In verse 15, we who are Jews by birth are not Gentile sinners. Now, this is kind of a tough verse. I don't know if I fully understand it or not, but I'll tell you what I think that Paul means there. And what I think Paul's meaning is that, look, we're Jews, so we know better. We've had the truth from the get-go. We know exactly what Jesus taught. We've had the law from a long time ago. These Gentile sinners, they just got the truth. They just got the law. They just got everything that has been taught, and it's just now going out to them, and they don't know any different. And we, as Jews, know better, and you shouldn't be acting this way. Now, that may or may not be what that means, but that's kind of a tough verse for me, and so you may have a different, a different view, and if you do, I'd like to hear it, because it is tough, uh, but that's... That's what I think it means. Verse 16. Know that no one is justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And that pretty much spells it out plain and simple. 
That's black and white. Now, there are many people in this world that will preach and that will teach that we can be saved by our works. And we have verses like this that are clearly in front of us that says, look, none of us are justified, none of us are declared righteous by our works, but by who? Jesus. We're only justified by Jesus Christ. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified in faith, excuse me, so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Again, Paul says the same thing. He just kind of twists it around. He repeats the same phrase. So there's no question what Paul is teaching here. Paul is saying, look, you're getting caught up in works of the law and making sure this group's going to do this and this group's not going to do that. And Paul's saying, look, you've got to remember what your foundation is. It's Jesus. It's not in the law. And so we're not going to pick sides and pretend like one group is more or less important than the other. And that's what he's talking about. And not by the works of the law, because... By the works of the law, no human being will be justified. Now, that's a pretty strong case. Paul has done made that point about three times here, just in the last sentence or so. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners... Now, Paul's not saying that the Jews weren't sinners in that earlier statement in that verse where he says, uh, we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. I don't think Paul was implying that somehow... The Jews were not sinners. Paul is saying just the opposite. He's saying, look, we clearly are all sinners. And that's what he says in this verse. But if we ourselves are also found to be sinners while seeking to be justified by Christ, is Christ then a promoter of sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild the system I've tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. So Paul is saying, look, we are freed from that burden of the law. When Jesus died on the cross and that temple veil was torn, we are freed from that burden of the law. And he says, look, if I rebuild the system I tore down, I show myself to be a lawbreaker. And those who live by the law are going to be judged by the law. And we cannot win God's acceptance by the law because we cannot uphold what the law requires of us. And so Paul is trying to point Peter back in the right direction and say, look, don't get focused and caught up on the law, but continue to have your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. For through the law I have died to the law, so that I might live for God. Paul is saying, look, I have died to the law, and now I'm not living for the law, I'm living for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So is Paul still living for the law? Nope. Paul is not living for the law. Paul is living for Jesus. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if unrighteousness comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Now that's pretty strong words right there. Paul is saying, look, if we can be justified through the law, then the grace of Jesus Christ dying on the cross is for nothing. Now, if Jesus died for nothing, then we serve a pretty cruel God. And I think that's the point that Paul's trying to make. If God would send his son to die on a cross and go through all the punishment and torture that he went through, if God would send his son to do that, all for no reason, all because we could be saved on our own, 
all for nothing, then that's a pretty cruel God that we serve. But that's not the God we serve, and Paul has made that point. In case you've missed it, go back and read it again later tonight. We are not made, uh, we are not justified, we are not made righteous, declared righteous through our works, but through what Jesus did on the cross. And Christ dying on the cross was not for nothing. It was for something. It was for you and I because he desired to be with you and I. So let us be careful that we don't fall into that trap that Peter fell into. Let us not be hypocritical. Let us not look at other people and try to impose a man-made law or tradition that is not required of Scripture and say it must be this way because that's the way we want it to be because that was what was happening uh, with Peter and that's what was happening with the Jews. And we don't want to fall into that trap of hypocrisy where we're looking at one group and saying, I don't want to have anything to do with that group, but I want to have something with this group, especially when we all call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ. We aren't to be hypocritical toward one another, but we are to love one another. And if there's hypocrisy in our walk with the Lord, then that's going to hinder us from being able to reach other people. So let us seek the Lord that if there is any hypocrisy in our life, that we would see that and that we would be aware of that so we can pray to the Lord to help us cut that out. Let's pray. God, I come to you tonight and I thank you for this, this truth of your word that is tough, God, because... I know for me, I'm, I'm guilty sometimes of being a hypocrite. And so I pray, dear Lord, that you would uh, be with each one of us in this room, that you would help us to see those areas where maybe we're, we're like Peter. And maybe not, maybe not everybody is, dear Lord. Maybe not any, everybody in here struggles with that. And praise the Lord for those who don't. But God, I pray that you would help us who may be struggling with hypocrisy, that you would help us to not be so focused on works, that you would help us to be focused on Jesus Christ that we would know, dear Lord, that what Jesus did for us was not for nothing, but it was for something. It was for us. So help us not to forsake that grace and not turn back to our old ways, but that when hard time comes, that we continue to push forward, uh, push to the cross, dear Lord, push to Jesus Christ, the one who died for us. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.